Uh, the reading is taken from 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 8 to 22. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body that made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand, with angels, authorities and powers in submission to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I wonder for you as we look at this passage uh, from 1 Peter, when someone does wrong by you, what do you feel like doing? When someone does the wrong thing by you, what do you feel like doing? I can still vividly remember this time uh, when I was in high school. I think I was in year 11 or year 12. And a guy came up to me and he was holding this thing of jelly and he was being egged on by his friends. And he put the jelly on my nice white school shirt. And I was inflamed with rage and I reached over and I ripped the pocket off his shirt. <laughs> what proceeded to follow was uh, he was egged on again by his friends. He was quite a passive guy, but he was egged on by the crowd to, to attack me. And all of a sudden he was on the ground because I'm not a small person. And so I, I never really had trouble putting someone else on the ground, but I found myself on the ground suddenly going, oh no, I think I've hurt him. And so I yelled out, pushed him away, got up, realized I hadn't hurt him. But that was one of my responses to someone doing the wrong thing by me. What, what do you feel like doing when someone does the wrong thing by you? Maybe uh, you can blab about it to your, your best friend, or uh, maybe you, you curse them under your breath. Maybe you're someone that's confrontational. So straight away, you'll 
right back at them. You'll uh, fire back fire with fire. How do you respond when someone does the wrong thing to you? Do you think and plot of ways in which you can get revenge or prove yourself to be right? Can you think of someone maybe in the last week who's done the wrong thing uh, by you? Maybe there's even a Christian that you know that has done the wrong thing by you. How do you respond? What, what do you feel like doing? Maybe there's someone in your household who's done, don't jab them in the ribs now. I, I can see your videos. Uh, maybe there's someone in your household who's done the wrong thing by you. What do you feel like doing? Peter's encouragement to us is do the opposite. You may feel like biting back. You may feel like getting revenge. You might feel like responding to evil with evil. Peter's encouragement to us from this passage is do the opposite. Do the opposite. You see, unredeemed feelings flow from this place of being connected to our flesh. Unredeemed feelings are not led by the spirit. And so our fleshly response is fight or flight. Uh, our, our fleshly response is to defend ourselves, to protect ourselves. Our fleshly response prompted by fear causes us to do exactly what has been done to us rather than doing the opposite. And so the challenge for us, I think, from uh, 1 Peter is, are you brave enough to live another way? Are you brave enough to live in such a way that you don't need to defend yourself? You've got a defender who is your God who is above you. Are you brave enough to do good to those who do evil to you? Think of the people that have done wrong by you maybe in the last week or the weeks gone past. Are you willing to do good towards them? even when you don't feel like it. Well, that's the imperative to us from this passage in 1 Peter. Are you willing to bless those who curse you? Think of the people that speak badly of you or, or that you know who have spoken badly of you. Are you willing to bless them instead of curse them? Are you willing to love those who hate you, to offer mercy to those who judge you, are you willing to listen to those who won't listen to you? Peter's call to us when evil is done to us is to do the opposite. So how do we honor someone when someone doesn't honor us? How can I honor when someone doesn't honor themselves? Our worldly identity, that is, Worldly identity, non-Christian identity, and so through 1 Peter, we've been talking about identity. Worldly identity is founded on works. What can I do in order to be perceived well of in the eyes of others? The non-Christian identity is tied up to something that needs to be established by oneself. On the other hand, Christian identity produces good works as a christian we we know who we already are we know who god calls us we know how much he loves us 
our identity is firmly established established by the one who created us so christian identity instead of being formed by good works flows into good works i know who i am i'm not needing to prove who i am someone may do evil to me but i know who i am i know who my father is what he thinks of me i have a secure identity in him and so i can respond if we know who we are in jesus we can respond in such a way that is opposite to the way in which we receive only i think many of us as christians can fall back into this worldly identity being found on works that that the good things that i do define who i am we came to faith through faith not works that it's the work of god and not ourselves and we continue in faith as christians in the same way now as our faith our confidence is put in god we do good works we we live a different way because we are connected deeply to the one who loves us only as christians i think we we can struggle a bit in living this out in continuing to find our sense of worth from what people say to us what people say about us what people even do towards us that's why we struggle i think to do the opposite because we've not uh, discovered our secure identity in jesus and so that's why we're deep diving into identity through one peter because i believe as we are firmly established in who we are we will know as christians how we're called to live and engage in this world and we will be fully free to live and engage in the world in the way that god designed and planned for us to live as his heralds to the world so as christians we're we're called to know who we are and live from this place of knowing who we are that's defined by our unchanging god in heaven and not our changing circumstances uh, last week i introduced you uh two different cycles uh let me so it's so one cycle was what i called the the fear cycle uh that is we fear something happening to us we try and control our circumstances when someone does wrong by you we fear when someone does wrong by us we fear the the lack of control that is created in that situation and so we try and reestablish control and what happens is we're we're serving our own need to deal with the fear that has risen up or within us uh, anger is connected to fear as well and then that control leads to relational breakdown which leads to a sense of shame as we realize relationship is broken and then we continue to operate from this place of fear uh what i didn't talk about particularly last week was we honor what we fear so if you fear what other people think of you you'll give that as the primary place of honor and as a result what you'll seek to do is you'll seek to serve it and the way we serve it is by uh seeking to control it and as we seek to control it it, it once again causes this relational breakdown most people who cause suffering to others are driven 
by fear. Most people who do wrong or evil by you are driven by fear. And so we as Christians are called to break out of that cycle. And so the second cycle I introduced to you last week was the, the cycle of honor. That is uh, learning to see people as God sees them, learning to honor them as they are, not as their behavior indicates they are, uh, to honor them. And then we actually put our trust in who we honor. And so we give to people more trust than they deserve. And so what that enables us to do as we honor is it leads us to this place of serving other people. And as we learn to, to serve, relationship grows. And through our services of other people, we're reminding them of who they actually are, not who their fear tells them they are. And so in so doing, we're honoring them. We're building uh, not only in us, but in them, a sense of trust. And as we trust people, we serve them. You can't serve what you don't trust. And so as we recognize who they are in God and we begin to trust them because God trusts them, we are able to serve them and bring honor to them, even though they're bringing dishonor to us and the relationship begins to grow. So from this uh, passage, we're really asking this question, how do I respond when someone else steps out of honor? How do I respond when someone else steps out of this honor cycle and steps into this fear cycle? And the challenge for us is do the opposite. I really want to embed this thought deep in your hearts that as someone does evil to you, what am I called to do? Do the opposite. I want this to become part of our language as a church that as we seek to live kingdom-focused lives for Jesus, that we do the opposite of evil. That we honor God by when evil is done to us, doing the opposite. And in so doing, we honor each other. You see, the challenge for us is not that evil is just out there. Evil is not just this foreign thing. It is something far closer far more intertwined in our relationships than we would like. And what we need to recognize that as Christians, we have this opportunity to either partner with the kingdom of God or partner with the kingdom of the evil one. Jesus puts it this way. He says, when you, you do evil works, you show who your father is. The, that is, your father is the evil one. But our father is God in heaven. And so through the way that we really relate to each other, we're called to shine who our father is. And so we do the opposite. You see, when we partner with evil, we partner with the gender of the evil one. So when I respond to, to someone's wrongdoing towards me with wrongdoing towards them, what I perpetuate is this cycle of evil and who I achieve this for is the evil one. And the result is the evil propagates instead of the kingdom of God. And so when evil is done to us, we do the opposite. When someone steps out of honor, we do the opposite. Uh, let me encourage you, if you've got your Bible there, I'd love you to open it up to verse 8. Uh, so the instructions 
for general relationship that are given to us from 1 Peter are this. Finally, all of you have unity of spirit. That is, we all have the Holy Spirit. If you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. Have a unity of spirit. That our spirits are connected to the Holy Spirit. That we would be unified in our heart and our priority. So have a unity of spirit. That's how we respond when someone steps out of honor. We seek to bring them and back to unity and to stay in unity with the Holy Spirit ourselves. Uh, the second thing it says is have sympathy, uh, be sympathetic. Recognize that actually someone does what they do. Someone does evil because they don't actually know who they are. They don't know how loved they are. They don't know how treasured they are by, by the God who created them. And we have this privilege of being able to lead them back into this place of knowing who they are, that they'll no longer be driven by fear. And so be sympathetic means we seek to understand someone, not judge them, but actually understand them. And so for people that are going through suffering, for people that do evil, we can't presume to know what drives what they're doing. We need to presume that we don't know the whole picture. We don't know the whole story. And so what we need to do is actually step into a, a situation and go, what, what is the story that this person is telling them about the way the world is working? What is the story that this person is telling them? And as we understand their story uh, we can and step into it step into their shoes we can begin to have a sympathy for them recognizing the place where they are and also knowing that they're not fully where God wants them to be but we as Christians don't need to operate in the same way uh, the, the next instruction is uh, love for one another love covers a multitude of sins You're given an opportunity in each situation where wrong is done to you to love the other person. That's a huge challenge. <laughs> it's not what we feel like doing at all. Uh, when anger flares, in your anger, do not sin. Anger is a right response to wrongdoing. But in your anger, do not sin. Do the opposite. Bless those who curse you this is a challenge for us isn't it love those who curse you have a tender heart don't be unaffected by your circumstances but be tender towards uh, those who do wrong towards you and have a humble mind don't assume that we know it all uh, it's sometimes easy to jump quickly to a conclusion as to what the whole story is our, our challenge as Christians is to have a humble, teachable heart. That is not to assume that we know it all in terms of Christian truth, where we're all learning, we're all growing, we're all continuing to be taught by the Holy Spirit, but also have a humble uh, mind in terms of not knowing the full situation. What's this person's story that is driving them to bring harm to your relationship? What's their story? And so some small instructions there, then verse nine, do not repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse, but on the contrary, repay with blessing. 
the person that steals from you, are you prepared to bless them financially? That's a challenging thought, isn't it? But we're called here to repay not evil with evil or abuse for abuse, but to repay with blessing. The person that speaks words of cursing over you, are you prepared to speak words of blessing and kindness to them that remind them of who they are in, in Jesus, that remind them of how loved they are? Are you willing to, there's this, this great uh, parable of uh, these kids that receive this steaming huge pile of horse poo, horse manure uh, for Christmas. And there's a couple of shovels and and the little boy uh, grabs the shovel. Well, actually, no, let's switch the genders. (laughs) The little girl grabs the shovel and she's shoveling in this giant pile of horse manure, shovel, shovel, shovel. And the, the boy looks over to you Uh, looks over to this horse manure pile and his sister shoveling, shoveling all this horse manure and says, what are you doing? And she says, well, with all this horse manure, there must be a horse around here somewhere. And so sometimes the challenge for us is there's a whole bunch of horse manure in a situation. And our challenge is to look for the horse, uh, to look for an opportunity when someone speaks a whole bunch of horse manure to us to speak that small bit of blessing towards them, to look for it, to search for it, because sometimes you really do have to hunt in order to deliver words of blessing. Peter says this, it is for this, that is to return repay blessing repay evil with blessing it is for this you are called that you may inherit a blessing our inheritance our inheritance from god is tied to our response to what we experience in this world That is, we're not storing up riches for ourselves on earth. We're storing up riches in heaven as we respond to abuse with blessing. Not giving permission to abuse, but as we bless those who who curse us. As we respond in this way, we're storing up for ourselves an inheritance in heaven. It says, and so I read from Psalm 34 at the start of our service. It says in Psalm 34, which 1 Peter quotes, those who desire life and desire to seek good days, let them keep their tongues from evil and their lips from speaking deceit. Let them turn away from evil and do good. Let them seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. When we respond to evil with evil, uh, the Lord's favor is not directed towards us. But when we respond as righteous people, uh, those who reflect the character of God, a righteous person is someone that reflects the character of God, not a judgmental person, but someone that expresses the love of God to even those who judge us. As a 
person that is righteous, God's eyes are on us. And the face of the Lord is where? It's away from those who do evil. And so when we respond to evil with evil, the Lord's face is turned away from us. The Lord's favor is turned away from us. And so when we speak blessing to those who curse us, when we respond well to those who do evil, the Lord's face is directed towards us. So we not only inherit a blessing in the future, we inherit a blessing now because his favor is directed towards us. He hears the prayers of the righteous. And so be confident that even in your suffering, as you respond rightly to God, he hears your prayers. As you turn to him, he hears your prayers. He understands your situation and he will lead you out. So how do we respond to evil? Uh, we don't partner with it. Uh, we don't justify those who accuse us. We do the opposite. Now, there's this really random text, uh, if you were in 1 Peter, uh, towards the end uh, that some people skip over because they, <laughs> they find it difficult to interpret. In verse 19, it says, uh, for Christ or verse 18, for Christ suffered, he was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Then verse 19, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in the former times did not obey God when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved through water. Some people look at this and go, oh, well, what, what's, what's that even about? What's going on here? Uh, we, we read in 2 Peter 2.4, so Peter's helping us to understand uh, in 2 Peter 2.4, God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. And so when it talks about spirits that Jesus uh, went and preached to, uh, these spirits are most likely the angels that were imprisoned in the time of Noah because of the evil that had been committed in that time. And Ephesians 3.10 says this, that God's intent now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the rulers and authorities of the heavenly realms according to his eternal purposes. And so we have angels that are locked up, but we have uh, God's purpose, his wisdom to make known to the rulers and authorities, the manifold wisdom of God. That is the mystery that God's grace is offered to all people. And so my interpretation of what uh, Jesus did in that moment was, well, here's a purpose in all of creation. He wants to make known the glory of God, the mercy of God, the favor, the kindness of God. So even though uh, these angels did evil, uh, God blesses them by bringing them into the understanding of the mystery of God revealed in himself, in Jesus Christ. And so when we uh, participate in evil, we partner with it. And Jesus is going to even those who have cursed God and cursed God's creation and bringing blessing to them by inviting them into a knowledge of the mystery. Now, what will happen in eternity with, with those who were locked up? We don't know. We, we don't have the answer to all the questions that passages like this raise for us. But scripture helps us to understand what's going on. If we look at the big picture, 
it helps us. Uh, so with that, uh, for some people that may have just gone straight over your head, if you have more questions, uh, ask me about it, but I didn't want to just gloss over it. Uh, so what do we hope in? As Christians, wh what do we place our hope in? Uh, in suffering, that the eyes of the Lord are on you? What does that mean, that the eyes of the Lord are on you? What, what that means is that where God's eyes are on you, it means he understands your situation. More than anyone else, he understands your situation. More than anyone else, he understands your suffering. More than anyone else, he understands what's going on in your heart, how you're responding to it, how it's hurt you. And he not only understands that, but he understands your past. And so there's hope because as he understands, he is able to minister to us by his spirit. We can be confident in our hope that suffering will bring us to God. That is the suffering of Christ uh, brought us to God in the first place, that in our suffering, uh, we will come to a place of more deeply understanding Jesus, understanding the comfort that is offered to us uh, from our Father in heaven. I, I know for some of you, uh, lockdown is business as usual. For, for others, lockdown's really hard. These, this last year has been really fatiguing really difficult now our opportunity in this is to be driven by fear because of our lack of control or seek to honor everyone involved in working out the solution to this situation but above all seek to honor god and trust in him and as we do this we, we can be confident that his eyes are on us and that he's hearing and answering our prayers for peace and comfort and what we need to sustain us through. And for some of that, he's given us each other to bring comfort from the place of where our comfort flows. Uh, what do we hope in? Uh, well, when we seek to do right, we'll inherit a blessing and that Jesus will lead us through even this. That Jesus who face death for us, will lead us even through this suffering. What if I'm uh, suffering now? <laughs> I imagine many of you are, and not just for, for COVID reasons. There's, there's different parts of life that can bring different levels of suffering to us. Verse 14 says, well, I'm blessed. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to this week answer that <laughs> next week i think the passage helps us to understand a little bit more about the blessing uh, of suffering as in what blessing we may take away from it uh, what if i'm suffering now set apart christ as lord don't let your fear of the future become the lord that controls your life set apart jesus as your lord don't don't be intimidated don't let fear rule as you let fear rule, you partner with the evil one, you seek to control life, uh, relationships break down, shame results, and the cycle continues. Don't let 
others rule. When people do wrong to us and we respond from that place of how we feel like responding, we actually give other people control over our lives. I've heard it often said in a, in a conversation, it's your fault that this happened. It's your fault that I'm so angry. Well, <laughs> no, it's actually our choice how we respond. It's always our choice how we respond to what's done to us. Do we respond with fear and control or do we do the opposite? Do the opposite. Don't fall into sin. Uh, verse 16 uh, says this. It says, uh, when, when you give a response to someone, do it with gentleness and reverence. Uh, keep your conscience clear so that when you're maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. There's always the temptation for us to find an outlet in terms of sin, whether it's in the moment or whether it's after, in order to regain a sense of control over life. Uh, don't fall into sin. Keep your conscience clear that people may see your life, even when wrong is done to you, and recognize that your identity it doesn't come from them or your circumstances. It comes from God in that you have a hope that is greater than what you're in at the moment. Uh, verse 17 says, uh, for it's better to suffer. For it is better to suffer for doing good if suffering should be God's will. So not all suffering is God's will. Uh, you, you need to hear that, that if you're experiencing suffering, it's not God's intent for your life that you should suffer. If you're suffering as a result of your own decisions or someone else's decisions, it's not God's intent that you should suffer. But sometimes it, it is that we will go through a difficult time that God would lead us through it. But it's not always that suffering is something that is God's will or his plan for our life. So if you're in suffering, don't assume that it is God's plan for your life. For it is better to suffer for doing good if suffering should be good's will it is better to suffer for doing good if suffering should be god's will than to suffer for doing evil and so then the challenge for all of us as we suffer is to return to hope to look to god to set apart christ as lord to return to hope so how do what if someone else is suffering how do i help them uh this passage speaks particularly to relationships and how we experience suffering in relationships with others well when you come to someone else recognize that you don't see the full picture but god does and what you can in a, do in a situation is you can just quietly even as you're in a conversation pray the prayer god help me to see the, the whole picture God, help me to understand them. And a question I really love to ask people is, what is the story you've been telling yourself about life? You see, this is a story we see and observe, but there's a story, that, a narrative that goes on in people's minds. What is the story that you've been telling yourself about life? And as people invite us into their narrative, we're able to bring God's hope and truth and a true understanding of his identity into their narrative but we can't just do that we can't just 
you know, slap on them. This is who you are. We actually need to be really sensitive to the Holy Spirit. What is the truth that they need to hear? What is a word in season for them? Just a, not a truth that would be good because all truth is good, but what is the word that they need to hear? And it's usually words of blessing and encouragement that remind people of who they are, that they're loved by God, that God's eyes are on them, that they are not made righteous by their works. They are made righteous by the work of Jesus. But we need to be sensitive to the truth when others are suffering and not just assume that we can fix it or solve it, but God can. Uh, we have, as Christians, this great hope in Jesus. And so when we're suffering or when others are suffering, we look to Jesus to establish hope and peace and joy and blessing in our hearts. Uh, verse 18 uh, really draws home uh, how we live as Christians. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous in order to bring you to God. Christ suffered in order to bring you to God. Christ suffered for you as an unrighteous person. So what's an unrighteous person? A person who has not done the right works, who has not reflected the character of God. Christ suffered for you in order to bring you to God. Your works, uh, what other people say, your circumstances don't define who you are. And so Peter, in this passage, uh, talks about baptism. And he says this, uh, verse 21, and baptism, which is prefigured, uh, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body. So that is the act of baptism in itself is not what cleanses you. Uh, the, the act of baptism in itself is not what is continuing to save you, but it is an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the one who sits above all authorities, all powers, all voices, all evil. It's an appeal to God. So, so when we're aware of our circumstances, that someone's done evil to us or that we've done evil, we've acted unrighteously, our identity is secure because we can point to our baptism as a visible sign if you haven't been baptized as a christian you should be a visible sign of your right standing before god suffering doesn't define us because of my baptism that is my inclusion in the family of god through jesus i am the lord's righteous one no matter what they say i am the lord's righteous one no matter what they do i am the lord's righteous one no matter how much evil is done towards me i am the lord's righteous one and as i really believe that in my heart i can live that i can live the character of god in relationship with others so what do we get out of uh, this uh, passage in terms of identity statements? Uh, I, I want you to, let me put it up full screen. Uh, the first one I put down is I am the Lord's righteous one. I, want, uh, I am the Lord's righteous one. I, I really want us to embed this truth deep in our heart. 
The second one, I will live out my identity in Jesus that I may inherit a blessing now and in an eternity. I won't live out of a place of fleshly feeling. I will live out of a place of knowing Jesus and being known by Jesus. And so the third statement, when someone is evil towards me, I will live the opposite. When someone is evil towards me, I will live the opposite. Turn to the person who's beside you and say, do the opposite. Well, if you're comfortable uh, where you're at, I would like to invite you to speak out uh, these declarations together. Uh, let me invite you to, when you say them, to, to say them with feeling. Uh, our, we're not just human uh, mouths we, we have hearts and emotions when we're passionate about something and we believe something to be true it's expressed through our voice our, our tone or all of those things so what we're going to do is the first identity statement we're going to say it three times and each time i want you to say it more passionately <laughs> and then the, the second two we'll just say once so all together if you're, you're comfortable I am the Lord's righteous one. I am the Lord's righteous one. I am the Lord's righteous one. I will live out my identity in Jesus that I may inherit a blessing now and in eternity. When someone is evil towards me, I will live the opposite. I pray this morning that uh, you have been encouraged, uh, that you've been renewed uh, in how uh, you can live the opposite, do the opposite when someone does the wrong thing towards you. Uh, let me encourage you to continue to come back to that for do the opposite to be part of the language that you use among each other as we experience the difficulties and, and troubles of life together.